1: I hope you tuned in last week for Song of the Soul as we started off our celebration of Pete Seeger and the seeds of song he planted in so many folks. We started out last week with a visit with author Lita Schubert and her book, Listen, How Pete Seeger Got America Singing, And then we had interviews with and music by three musicians. But that was just a start because we have four more wonderful guests today and even more great guests two weeks down the road. Pete Seeger influenced so many, so profoundly. And we'll start off today with the Reggie part of Kim and Reggie Harris by phone. Reggie, it's so wonderful to have you back for Song of the Soul.
2: Well, thank you. It's wonderful uh, to be here again. And uh, it's great to hear your voice. I understand you're in Philly. What are you doing there? I was actually here doing a couple of concerts, doing a house concert. And then last night I performed at a senior residence just north of Philadelphia. So a wonderful gathering of mostly Quakers and Unitarians. Oh, really? Were you raised religiously? I forgot. I was raised in an evangelical black Baptist church. And I actually, you know, a lot of what happened there, a lot of the richness of the music and the culture is really what I find myself resonating with. I describe myself often as an expanded Baptist. As I have traveled through the world and come in contact with you know, other faiths and other faith paths, I've just added to that fabric of song, spirituals, and, and gospel. And, you know, just that general sense of people coming together as community to lift all boats, something I think that we need to remind ourselves even more critically in this time of division.
1: And when did Pete Seeger seep into your experience, your memory, your consciousness? I was just sharing this the other day. He,
2: He began with my elementary school. I went to Grover Cleveland Elementary School in inner city, Philadelphia, and our teachers used to, at least once a week, gather us all together and sing songs. And I remember some Pete Seeger songs being in that gathering. And then years later, when I you know, became a musician, being invited to People's Music Network. We were doing a concert one night, and they said, Pete Seeger's going to be the headliner. I thought, oh my goodness, after all these years, I've got to actually meet the man. And that night, I met him backstage when I almost stepped on his banjo. <laughs> he kind of gave me a quizzical look, and I think he realized that he'd left it sitting on the floor. And... Uh... <laughs> He just turned to me and he said, hello there, who are you? (laughs) And I said, I'm I'm Reggie Harris." And He said, I'm Pete Seeger. And I said, I know who you are. (laughs) That night began a friendship of some 25 years. I think you had a lot of
1: opportunities to share the stage with him.
2: Yeah, over the years, you know, either he inviting uh, Kim and I to come and perform with him or, you know, of course, seeing him at Clearwater events or every now and then we would actually invite him to come and Maybe do a, a song or two on a CD. He's on like three of my CDs, and then just you know, Pete was such a great mentor in giving you opportunities and not telling you what to do with them. I often tell people that one of the great benefits of having him as uh, one of my mentors is that Pete mostly lived a life that you could watch and observe and learn from. He wasn't a big one to you know be telling you what you should be doing or giving you advice. You know, he gave advice on you know a few occasions when I called and asked, but Mostly, you know, watching him and watching the way he incorporated his principles in concert, but also just watching him off stage with the graciousness that he could display and the passion that he had for connecting people through music, because that was around the time that we were really beginning to think about getting people singing more than, you know, just sort of standing on stage and having people listen to us.
1: I noticed that your Facebook profile picture is you and Pete together. When was that from?
2: That was about six months before he died, actually. And we were together at a political rally raising money for uh, one of our Clearwater folks who was running for office in Hudson Valley. And the call went out that, you know, she needed some extra funds at the last minute. And a bunch of us gathered there and and, uh, at a small rec center, just a little town in upstate New York. And Pete and I, Toshi had died about six months before that. I hadn't seen him since then. And so we just had a picture denotes just a little moment we had before the show started of, Talk about Toshi, but also just he was asking, you know, what I was up to. And, and it's just one of my fondest memories. Just a, a few small moments with a really, really deeply good friend.
1: And Reggie, since you were obviously emulating or learning from him as your mentor, mm-hmm. how much wood have you split in your life?
2: Oh, you know, for heaven's sake, I've actively split wood twice. <laughs> uh, once at my house. And once at a strawberry festival in Beak, New York, when Pete walked up to me and said, Reggie, I need you to help me on stage. And I thought, okay, now he wants me to sing a song with him. And uh, I said, okay, fine. And he said, okay, meet, meet, meet me over there in 20 minutes. And I came over and he handed me an axe. And I noticed that on stage there was a big log. And I'm thinking, what the heck is he going to... And he introduced the song and then looks at me... <laughs> And he raises his axe and starts singing the song. It was some, you know, woodworking, axe-pounding song. And he he starts in, and I realize he expects me to take the next blow. So (laughs) I do the play, raise my axe, and, you know, hit somewhere in the wood, you know. And, and of course, he was just in rhythm because, I mean, he did this all the time. And I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) Really, yeah. I'm just thinking, when is this song over? So that was the second time in my life, and I haven't split wood
1: since. (laughs) You learned your lesson, I think.
2: I did. Just get somebody else to do it.
1: (laughs) Well, we're going to share one of your songs related to Pete. Which do you want to share?
2: I wrote a song about Pete, High Over the Hudson. I began the song the day after he died. The morning after he died, Kim and I went to a second grade class in New Jersey, where we were staying, and we sang songs, and we talked about Pete. And as we were there, one of the students said, Where did Mr. Seeger live? And I said, well, he lived in a little cabin that overlooked the river that he loved so much. And his cabin really sat high over the Hudson. And as I said those words, I thought, wait a minute, I've got to write that down. So I said to the teacher, could you give me a piece of paper? I just had a vision of Pete leaving that hospital room in New York City and traveling up that Grand River. I mean, that's where the song came from.
1: Well, we're going to listen to it now. Uh, thanks so much, Reggie. Uh, you and Kim and folks, they are Kim and Reggie Harris. Their website is com. I guess there's no other Kim and Reggie couple in the world.
2: <laughs> uh, no, there, there actually isn't. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're going to share Reggie Harris's song, High Over the Hudson, tribute, memory, inspiration from Pete Seeger. Thanks so much again for joining us, Reggie. It's always wonderful to talk to you, Mark. Thank you so much. Here we are, High Over the Hudson.
3: The news came over the end of night Pete Seeger went sailing today Set out on the Hudson about nine o'clock Searching for new songs to play Passed by Bear Mountain making great time As the water slapped hard on the bow At Storm King he turned that boat into the wind Set the old Woody G on the prow. Now he's high over the Hudson Sails headed for home Hot on the breeze as it cuts through the trees. Pete, you're not sailing alone. You're high over the Hudson. You've got one hell of a view. Your battles are won. A new journey's begun. Pete, we're singing with you. Troubadour's life has its ups and its downs Of that there's so much that's been said Pete spoke out for justice year after year A leader who actually led He sang out for freedom, he sang out for peace Taught through the power of song Ahead of his time in all seasons of life He kept us all singing along high over the Hudson, sails headed for home, hard on the breeze as it cuts through the trees, Pete you're not sailing alone, you're high over the Hudson, you've still got one hell of a view, now your battles are won, a new journey's begun, Pete we're singing with you. Dana and Mary say, welcome good friend, and Woody and Faith both agree, that you lived your passion for 94 years, and you lived it with integrity, now we as your children, and we as your friends, take up your mission of song. As Toshi yells out with a smile on her lips, Hey Peter, what took you so long? Oh, and you're high over the Hudson, sails headed for home. Hard on the breeze as it cuts through the trees. Keep you're not sailing alone. You're high over the Hudson, you still got one hell of a view. Now your battles are won, a new journey's begun, Pete, we're singing with you.
1: It was great to have Reggie back with his vivid memories of Pete Seeger. There's three more calls to be made today, so I'm going to get dialing right away to speak to a couple who I've been pleased to have as friends for 30 years now, the creators of the immensely popular group singing songbook, Rise Up Singing, Peter Blood and Annie Patterson. Peter and Annie, so good you could join me today for Song of the Soul. Thanks for having us. Personally, you are a kind of a connection that I had, the nearest close connection I had with Pete Seeger. I never actually met him. I saw him perform a couple few times, but I never spoke to him personally. You had a long, ongoing friendship with him. When did that start?
4: I actually started having dreams about Pete Seeger while I was in college.
5: (laughs) You and other people, probably.
4: (laughs) But uh, I actually um, got to know him first very briefly when we went to the board of Sing Out magazine to ask them to do our songbook, which had been kind of living on an illegal underground basis for a while We wanted to bring it above board, and he and his wife Toshi spoke extremely forcefully and and movingly to the board about how this was exactly the kind of thing that Pete Seeger had in mind when he founded Sing Out a number of years earlier. After Rise Up Singing came out, I was on the board for about five years of Sing Out, and the first time I was at a board weekend was where I got extended periods of time with Pete, and I remember once I was in line with him at lunch and said uh, something like, can you tell me when you first spent time with Woody Guthrie? And I thought he would answer in a sentence or two, or maybe a little bit more. And uh, well over an hour later, he was still (laughs) telling me about traveling through the entire country in in the late 30s with Woody hitchhiking. This was when Pete was a dropout from Harvard and had just kind of beginning to cut his teeth, barely as a folk singer, And just going to everything from migrant camps to ticket lines to riding the rails, all kinds of adventures. I I only wish I could have had a tape recorder with me.
1: I wish you had one, too. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And about your books, we want to mention uh, Winds of the People was the illegal underground. I mean, you you got together and did these song circles with people, and you want to share songs, so you ended up producing this book, which was not legally produced with the copyrights, all that.
4: We tried to get copyrights, but a lot of people said, go away, we'll sue you. So I called up Pete. Somebody gave me his phone number. I didn't know him and said, Pete, what can we do to get permissions? These people won't even talk to us about it. They're just letting us. And he said, don't bother to ask. They'll only say no. (laughs) But we did get permission from a lot of folk singers who owned their own songs. We just didn't get
5: permissions from the big companies. I mean, you know, this was a very, very long time ago. And I think, like many people, Peter was trying to get together with his friends and provide a way that people could just sing together. But he didn't realize at the time that it would be, that there was such a need and that people would really want it. And so fortunately for us, We were able to save the earnings from that book in a separate account and then end up eventually doing it legally and making Rise Up Singing.
1: Yeah, and that was 1988, I believe that first came out. I was part of the support for having that come out. And that has gone over a million copies, or I don't know, maybe you can't even count that high, I don't know. (laughs) And now you've released Rise Again, and that includes a whole new 1,200 songs in it. How have the sales of that been going? You
5: haven't sold a million copies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's still early days but people seem to really like the book a lot. It's got a a few more genres that were not in Rise of Singing, and it's a lot of fun to sing out of we've been travelling all over the country singing out of it with people and as we've been getting to know the songs that we put in the book, you know we're realizing how much fun it is. So we think there's still a need. People still want to sing together and I think there's always that one person that comes in is just surprised at how much fun it is. And they go away thinking, I could do this again.
4: He loved the diversity of Rise Up Singing. He often talked about it from stage at concerts and told people about the book. He loved the fact that you could have a Beatles song and a a gospel song and a campfire song and a political song all next to each other in the book. And he worked a lot on the new book. He didn't get to see it finished but he would have loved the fact that the new book is even more diverse with chapters of blues, chapters of country songs, chapter of early rock and roll songs, uh, chapter of Broadway musical songs. And he considered any song that is sung by people, by people on the grassroots, to be a folk song, not something that just somebody collects with a tape recorder off in the Appalachians. But, you know, if if a popular song connects with people's hearts and is being sung with them around the campfire or around their living room with their family. That was a folk song as far as he was
5: concerned.
1: Did any of Pete's songs, I haven't checked in the index, have any of Pete's songs been added in the new book?
5: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we did not put all of his songs in Rise (laughs) (laughs) All all 500 songs. uh, (laughs) You know, if anybody listening has the book, they can always look in the back under the artist index and look for Pete Seeger. But... For instance we've been singing quite early morning a lot lately which is one of Pete's songs about really about climate change. I know he wrote it a long time ago but you know it's very pertinent today and we sing a lot of his songs at our concerts and it really does feel like it brings the spirit of Pete into the room when you sing his songs.
4: One of the last songs that Pete wrote I remember when he called me up about maybe 2 or 3 years before he died. He'd like to call me up and sing a song over the phone. He said, I just wrote this song. I want to sing it to you. And this one was called God's Counting on Me, God's Counting on You. He wasn't a religious person for many years. He was raised in kind of the lefty circles that tended to be considered religion the opiate of the people. But over the years, his spirituality deepened, and this was one of his last songs to say that faith communities can really make a difference for the great problems, including environmental problems facing the world. It's on his last album that he made called... A more perfect union.
1: You know, I think it's kind of amazing that he wasn't particularly into religious songs, considering he sang a lot of kind of gospel songs. Twelve Gates to the City, Alleluia. I mean, I got that in his voice in my brain, and it's like, well, if you're not religious, why are you singing that song? It just kind of surprised me. And, and, or, um, <laughs> or, or the song, How Can I Keep From Singing, which he rewrote the verses to to make it more spirituality, but these deeply religious songs, he clearly sang them with great passion.
5: Well, I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person, and religious person, but I have plenty of friends who are not, and they are so moved by religious songs occasionally. In fact, I would say gospel music, black gospel music, there's a way in which you're tapping into the roots of struggle. So songs that have struggle in the roots of whether they're religious or not, can really, really move people. And you can feel it when you sing it. So, you know, there are plenty of people out there that are not religious or at all, but they're really moved by the kinds of songs. And I would say that Pete was probably in that category to a certain extent. And whenever you sing a song and you know that there was struggle in the history of it, it can really shake you down to your feet.
1: Well, I think you've got a song to share. Again, we're recognizing Pete Seeger in the series for Song of the Soul. It was occasioned by the fact that an author, kind of a young person's book called Listen, How Pete Seeger Got America Singing, Lita Schubert's her name, she sent me her book. You've got a song that Pete wrote, actually, that you're going to share. Tell us about it, please.
5: So this is Pete's song, Oh Had I a Golden Thread. We used to sing this song for years. We had it in Rise Up Singing, and, and it was a favorite that people liked to do. As with some of Pete's songs, I would say people just love to do them, but sometimes the rhythm of it wasn't always something that you could kind of catch on. And then I heard Toshi Regan sing this song with Dar Williams, and it made me think about it in a different way. So in this particular version that I recorded on my CD, I changed the rhythm just a little bit, and I think Pete would have been fine with that because he liked folks doing that.
1: (laughs) One thing that I saw reference to is that Pete created this. Speaking of the whole gospel music thing, is that he took and reworked Near My God to Thee, to be this song? Were you aware of that? Is that part of your notes in the book? I didn't check them.
4: You're talking about the tune, and I think that you're right. He did probably draw on that to some extent in developing the tune. Maybe you read that in Where Have All the Flowers Gone, because in his autobiography, which I or memoir, which I edited, he talks about often the way a song brings together. Maybe he takes a poem and puts it to music, as was true of Bells of Rimney, for example, or maybe he took an old melody and reworked it and put new words to it, as in O and I, a golden thread.
1: We'll listen to that now. We're going to be listening to Annie Patterson sharing her husband, Peter Blood, and she are the force behind Rise Up Singing and Rise Again. And for those who still have illegal copies, I'm not saying that anyone named Mark Helps meet has one, but the old songbook called Winds of the People, which I really liked his name too, she's going to share her rendition of Oh, Had I a Golden Thread to remember Pete Seeger. So thanks again, Peter and Annie, for joining me for Song of the Soul.
5: Thank you.
4: Keep
0: it
1: up. Oh, Had I a Golden Thread. Here's Annie.
0: Oh, had I a golden thread Sisters, my red-
1: Awesome to have Annie Patterson and Peter Blood back to talk about their friend and musical mentor, Pete Seeger. This is installment two of three segments on the musical fruits of Pete Seeger for Song of the Soul. This is a Northern Spirit Radio production, website, NorthernSpiritRadio.org with links, hundreds of episodes, a place to find the stations that carry our shows, post comments, and, and this is a big one, A place to donate to support this full-time work. It's you that make this full-time work possible. And we especially count on you to put your hands and wallets to the service of your local community radio station. Without your help, big money will take over all of our media. And you just know that Pete Seeger would not like that. That's who we're remembering this week. We remembered last week. And we will be remembering again in two weeks. Next guest today to remember Pete Seeger and his influences is Peter Alsop. So, to California and the phone. Peter, I can hardly believe I've got you back for the umpteenth plus one time for Song of the Soul.
6: Well, it's nice to be back. I wish you lived closer so you could come to all my concerts and everything.
1: (laughs) I do, too. I wish I could have been there for the repeat celebration. Could you tell folks a little bit about that?
6: So my father-in-law is Will Gear, who was grandpa in The Waltons. I'm married to Ellen Gere. who's a wonderful actress herself. She's in Harold and Maude. She's done tons of stuff, and we run a theater. One of the things that Will did with his money from The Waltons was make an outdoor Shakespearean theater. And of course, theater doesn't support itself real well, which is why most of us are 501c3s, nonprofits, so that people with foundation money can give us gifts. So we're always trying to raise money, and as we're artists, we do concerts and things like that, besides doing our plays. And Pete and Arlo came out one time, filled the place. so one time Pete came out himself in 1990. And somebody was there with a camera, and they took a picture that I dug out years later of Pete introducing me, saying some nice things about me at the concert, and I did a couple of songs, and my daughter Willow was singing with me. And I'd known Pete because I played at the Hudson River Gathering Festival that he does back east. And, you know, I just met him through the family, and we were both in the same field. When he died, we did a thing called, it was a peat-seeker sort of memorial, but we thought the best thing to do would be to have people come and sing on as many songs of peat as we could squeeze into the concert. And the place was packed. We only see 300, but we probably had four or 500 people there. So we did a fundraiser, and we, we just charged 10 bucks a person to come, and that's one of the reasons it was packed. So the same year, we did another one and raised the ticket price, and we charged $25 a person, and we called it our repeat concert. And we've been doing one a year, every year. And I've been producing them and getting other artists to come, you know, I've had Emma's Revolution and James Lee Stanley and Claudia Lanier came last year and Brother Sun came out. So a lot of younger people, there's me and there's a whole Gear family and people keep coming back every year and we're the more younger, younger people are coming, which is, we're noticing, which is, you know, people in their 20s. So the first couple we did, it was a lot of old lefties, but boy, there's a lot of young people packing in now. Well, I wonder why, given like our current administration. You know, or am I not allowed to say that stuff on your show?
1: I cheer for you when you say it.
6: <laughs> you know, we talk about Pete's children. You know, he plants these seeds, and then some of us that go out there, and, and I mean, I, I want to sing about social justice. I, I feel obligated to do that, and I'm obligated to, like, talk about equity and oh, what is just. what, How do you make things work for everybody so it's not just for people that have privilege, you know? I'm also a conscientious objector, but I realized the reason that I was able to get that status during the Vietnam War is because of all the... Tri- I've been to college and I've been raised in a privileged family situation where they're always telling me how, that you can, you can do it, you know. There's a lot of kids and people that don't have that, and they may be just as much of a conscientious objector to war as I am, but they didn't have the skill sets to be able to file the papers and do all the stuff that they needed to do to get that. I feel obligated because of some of the kinds of things that have happened in my life to make sure i got to keep working toward the arc of justice that is a, as Martin Luther King or someone said, it bends in that direction. It doesn't look like it's been bending that direction lately, but, but you know, it's an ebb and flow, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it is looking pretty bent right now. <laughs> But let's talk about the song that you're going to share today to remember Pete Seeger.
6: Yeah, there's a song called Got a Lot of Living to Do that I wrote because I've been doing a lot of work with the feminist men's movement for 40 years. And when the AIDS epidemic started, everybody was afraid. They didn't want their... All they knew was that gay men had this some kind of virus that anybody weren't sure how it was passed and what was going on. Everybody was nervous about having their children play with, uh, you know, maybe if there's a gay teacher or something, they don't want anyone around, you know, anything. It was like totally... And, you know, I went out and took my kids to sing with me out at the California men's gathering. A lot of the guys out there were saying, thank you, you know, because this is, we're being ostracized and stuff. And so, I mean, you'll hear in the song, like, I figured if anyone's going to write a song about AIDS for kids, because it's scary, I guess that's me. And, and so I did, it was called... <laughs> Got a lot of living to do, it, and it made it onto one of the men's movement records. And I got, Rye Cooter was a friend. I got him to, to play with me. He wasn't there for this live performance, but it's on my Plug and Away album. And Willow's singing. It's just me playing detuning guitar and, and Rye playing slide guitar and Willow on that recording. So I said, it's just me and Willow today and Pete. And this was back in 1990. You know, if I have a chance to talk about loaded stuff in some way that people can hear, and singing kids' music for me has been a really subversive way to get progressive ideas into families that might not otherwise listen to them, you know. But it's a way for parents to also go, oh, geez, wow, I never thought about that. I do that to my kid, don't I? Maybe I ought to cut that out. So I try and deal with loaded issues as much as possible.
1: You are into loaded things. One of the previous interviews I did with you, you pointed out how you were asking for suggestions on songs that you could include. And some preschool teacher said, well, how about toilet training? So, you know... Who goes the weasel came in there? I mean, who else but you would think of including that? So, <laughs> I want to praise you for your hoots I don't know that it was genetically received from Pete Seeger, but you certainly walked in parallel paths that way. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to listen to a little intro that Pete Seeger did as he was getting ready to sing. Pete Seeger introduces Peter Alsop, and then we're going to listen to Peter and his daughter Willow doing Peter's song got a lot of living to do
6: there's a fellow who lives out here that i don't see often i hear his records and my grandson looks at his videotapes but i don't get to see him often and i said if i'm singing some children's songs or whatever would you come out and sing a couple songs if peter alsop is back there
7: would you come out here
8: Wait a minute, well, hi. 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 hi! I knew you were out there. What a treat. Well, I'm sure glad to see you folks out here. Isn't it nice to see Pete Seeger out here in yeah. California? Just like me and you, I got a friend with AIDS, we got a lot of living to do, some days we get sad, so here is what we do, we play together as much as we can and I love him a lot cause he's my friend, yeah me and my friend with AIDS, got a lot of living to do.
3: What is AIDS? It's
8: a virus bug.
3: What can you do? Well, I
8: give him a hug.
3: You hug your friend? Sure, and he hugs me. But aren't you scared? Well, I
8: used to be.
3: I'd be scared. We'd learn a lot. What would I learn?
8: What's safe, what's not?
3: Could I get AIDS? Well,
8: that's hard to do. But
3: some kids have it.
8: Yes, that's true.
3: Where's the AIDS?
8: Well, it's in his blood.
3: What if he bleeds? We
8: patch him up, cause AIDS won't let his blood cells fight.
3: So I shouldn't touch his blood?
8: You got that right. I got a friend with A someday he might die. But someday so will you, and someday so will I. Some days we get sad, so here is what we do. We play together as much as we can, and I love him a lot. Cause he's my friend, yeah, me and my friend with A got a lot of living to do.
3: What if he cries?
8: We wipe his eyes. You
3: touch his tears? There's no
8: need for fears.
3: What about his ears? With
8: a cotton swab. You
3: clean his ears? No,
8: that's his job. What
3: about his spit? He
8: swallows it.
3: What about his hair? No
8: virus there. His breath is fine? It smells just like mine. Does he feel ashamed? No, he's not to blame. I've got a friend with AIDS. So someday he might die But someday so will you Someday so will I I'll tell you what I'm thinking of When we're afraid we just can't love And loving's how I want to be So don't let fear take over me Here's what we can do We can play together as much as we can And I love a lot. Cause he's my friend, yeah, me and my friend with AIDS Got a lot of living to do Got a lot of living, got a lot of living, got a lot of living to
0: do
1: So that last voice you heard there was Pete Seeker saying goodbye as Peter Alsop, who's leaving the stage. That must have been quite a blast for you to have Pete Seeker there with you, Peter.
6: Yeah, it was delightful. I mean, I just learned so much from him in so many ways. When I was at the Hudson River gathering, people somebody said, have you seen Pete? And I said, well, all I've seen of him is his butt because he's always bending over, picking up paper people that's right on the crowd, you know. <laughs> And he didn't like, tell people what to do much, but he did make a suggestion to me at one point about the God live a lot of living to do songs. He said, you know, you got a really good sing-along there that you're not using. And I said, well, okay, I think I know what you're talking about. He says, yeah, he goes, "God a lot of living, got a lot of living, got a lot of living to do. And then get the artist to sing that. You can get harmonies stacked on top of there. And after he told me that, I would when I did the song, I would get people singing on the harmony too because it's a loaded subject, you know. I know we don't hear as much about AIDS now, but it's still out there and people are living with that. So, once again, passing this stuff on is what it's all about. It was great working with Pete because, you know, you pick stuff up, and a lot of what I do is stuff that I am passing along from people before me, like Pete, and I wanted to thank you, too, for the work you're doing with putting out songs of content and meaning, because a lot of the songs don't have a lot of meaning. if They're, like, love songs and This is stuff that you support and put out in in your programs. It's critically important for people to hear and share that way and understand it. So thank
1: you. Well, thank you. Again, folks, we've been talking with Peter Alsop, talking about Pete Seeger and the legacy of music that he's left to us. Even though he's left this world for three years, he's living on powerfully. Thanks so much again, Peter. You're welcome. So happy to catch up with Peter Alsop. Remember, there's links to him on Nordenspiritradio.org. And right away, we're going to jump to the phone once more today to reach out to another Pete Seeger musical offspring, Sarah Purtle. Sarah, so good to have you back
7: to Song of the Soul. It's really wonderful to be here and to be talking about Pete. I realize that I probably think about Pete every day and feel like he's at my shoulder I think a lot of people feel that way, my generation and and people who love his music.
1: Well, so many of us grew up with at least several examples of it, you know, primary in our mind. Where was your first conscious memory of Pete from?
7: I was 12 and I was attending a Unitarian Universalist camp called Roe. It was a total breakthrough. It was Pete in particular whose songs gave me this whole window into a world I didn't know about and it was like he threw a lifeline to generations of people who were standing up against war, part of labor strikes, and the music really brought me into a larger world. Not only the ones that he created, like Oh Had I a Golden Thread, or We Shall Overcome a Rainbow Race, but also the songs that he raised up for other people to hear. You know, through his music, I felt like we're part of the Civil Rights Movement. And then, in 1980 he put together for Folkways a demonstration concert of how to lead sing-along. I found out about it, so I got to be in the group who sang. It was a large group of us at Sander's Theater.
1: And is that what inspired you to get into music, or was there someone else? Maybe it was Peter, Paul, and Mary, or maybe it was Burl Ives, or Lead Belly, or who led you into music?
7: It was totally Pete. You know, after that experience, I went home, And somehow, with King Corn Stamps, we were able to get, I guess it was a guitar or ukulele, and I found Pete's folk singer's guitar guide. And every day after school, I would sit with Pete, you know, and learn from his book, How to Play Guitar. So I subscribed to Sing Out. So it was like a whole world, but I was feeling that there's something about Pete that was always saying, when you are singing strong, you are singing truth into being.
1: Well, and you've created so many songs and feels to me like the largest portion of those songs are meant to be sung along with in the same way that Pete always tried to get every song. He would start three words in. And he says, okay, come on, join in.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's that he was putting the emphasis on himself but the power of the song. Recently at the People's Music Network, which he was a big part of, we had a workshop people sharing and remembering his songs. And someone said, I thought he would never die. It was such a, such a wonderful comment because that's what happened for me the day he died in 2014, January. I just said, okay, I'm going to put together a concert tonight. It's got to be tonight. And just put out the word, put it on WAMC radio. Somebody said that they'd been painting a house and heard it on the radio and they drove an hour. And Laurie Wyatt had just been working with him on the last recording, and Laurie brought applesauce that he and Pete had made. He said, okay, this is why I've been saving it in the freezer. So there we were, and Laurie takes this applesauce and tells us the story of how together they wrote, old apples still can make good sauce. They were trying to write a song, it wasn't going well, because they were both so hungry. There wasn't much food, and so they said, oh, look, Lori, these are the apples you brought me in the fall and they made this applesauce. So Lori brought us that very same applesauce, and he said, well, what are we going to do? And I thought, ah, we'll get a spoon, and everybody will just hold it up high. We passed it around. So since that year, 2014, for four times in the winter at that same church, I put together a sing-along with lots and lots of singers who love Pete, and we get everybody singing in his spirit.
1: Well, you've got a song to share with us like the other folks we've been talking to. And, folks, this is Sarah Pertle we're speaking with. I've had her before on Song of the Soul, and you want to listen to that. She's got some awesome songs, and that's kind of an understatement, actually. What do you want to share today, Sarah?
7: I want to share a song called The Women's March. So it was about the worldwide event January 21st this year of millions of people on seven continents coming together. In fact, they estimated that for every 100 Americans, one out of the 100 marched that day. So the spirit of Pete, where that relates to the song, is I felt like he'd say, I want you to know about this. I want you to feel like you were there. He taught me a lot about use specific details, and then at the same time give a broad context. So I put in a refrain that people could come into on every verse and chorus. And in order to understand the song, I want to tell you one of the details I should also say that I was really influenced by Pete's song about the Peekskill riots in 1949 called Hold the Line. And one of the things he sang, you know, 20,000 people had come to hear Paul Robeson and a whole crowd began throwing stones. And in the song, he wanted people to know about that day. In fact, when he and his family escaped in their car, of all the people who were fleeing as the anti-black, anti-Semitic demonstrators were harming people. The windows were cracked. They were protecting their children. And he saved one of the rocks that made its way into the car. And I was thinking about that sense. You save that rock for lots of reasons. You're holding firm to something true. And one of his lines and Hold the Line was, We will hold the line forever till the people have their way. And that's the spirit that he gave me, like, all in this together. So I tried to see if I could put that spirit in this song. It's important to know who Sandra Bland is. I put this song together from looking at people's footage of the signs that they saw. I was in the Boston Women's March, but I depicted the Washington, D.C. March. My friend Louie Collins had been there, and she talked about when Sandra Bland's mother came to the podium and said, say her name how she just began to weep and weep, and then she caught the eye of a stranger. And so I put that detail in there with Louie's permission. So here's who Sandra Bland is. So she's part of the Black Lives Matter movement. She was a civil rights activist in Chicago, but at the time, July 2015, when she was 28 years old, she was arrested at a stop sign, so it was by a state trooper. So poignant. She had put a post up recently and one of the things Sandra said is in the news we've seen of late you could stand there, surrender to the cops and still be killed. And she was found hanged three days later in her jail cell. Most probably she was killed. In fact her mother won a wrongful death lawsuit of one point nine million. So all these facts are the kinds of things Pete taught me to cherish. So you'll you'll hear her name in the song and just it's part of people not being forgotten.
1: Well, then we're going to listen to Sarah Pertle's song. And this one, Sarah, you're performing for us. I guess you don't have a recording out there yet for it?
7: Right. I've been doing concerts with a 13-year-old friend who's very active in the Indigenous Youth Council of Standing Rock. We created a YouTube, but it's not up yet.
1: So you've been performing with a 13-year-old friend. Do you have a lot of young friends at that age?
7: Yeah. He always had this sense of we're all part of generations. are trying to make things better. And back in the late 1980s, I was one of the central founders of the Children's Music Network. One of the first things I did was contact Pete, and he loved being at the National Gathering. One year he said to us, we used to be a singing nation, and he said that he felt that the Children's Music Network really carried on his vision. It's cmnonline.org is how to find it. And with the song that I'm going to be sharing on the Women's March, I created a free booklet called Keepers of the Fire, it's about the Women's March. It's also about changing sexism and about gender reconciliation. So the way to get the Keepers of the Fire free booklet download is at traprock.org, dot org Traprock Center for Peace and Justice. I've been part of it really since 1980. And that booklet, again, has that spirit of Pete talking about all these generations that have been Keepers of the Fire passing on strength.
1: So this one, you get an individual performance for just Sarah Pertle and all of us who are listening today. This is The Woman's March. Sarah, thanks so much again for joining me for Song of the Soul.
7: Thank you. It's an honor to talk about Pete.
1: And here we go, The Woman's March by Sarah Purtle.
9: My daughter's sign read The walls must come down Send around the earth a common call and my mother at my side, her son read, I'm terrified. And the rise of women's voices lifts us all. I looked in every face, and I trusted. Send around the earth, a and call. With pink hats on the green, half a million like sardines. The rise of women's voices lifts us all. We're shouting, don't give up. We're shouting, don't forget. Send around the earth a coming call. All rights are in danger. We are not strangers. The rise of women's voices lifts us all. My son held a sign, the future's female. Send around the earth a common call. He said the speakers are hard to hear. He grabbed my elbow, we edged near. The rise of women's voices lifts us all. There was a speaker touched my heart. She called out, say her name. Send around the earth a common call It was a voice like no other Sandra Bland's mother And the rise of women's voices lifts us all When I joined the call for Sandra I found your eyes Send around the earth a common call I saw like me your tears fell down you held your baby in your arms And the rise of women's voices lifts us all We're shouting, don't give up We're shouting, don't forget Send around the earth a common call All rights are in danger We are not strangers The rise of women's voices lifts us all you said to me, can I see what sign is on your back? Send around the earth the common call. Fear, ignorance, not Muslims, are the words that I wore. And the rise of women's voices lifts us all. And what would you say if you could speak? into the mic send around the earth a common call I'd bring my family to the mic and say, we are what an immigrant family looks like and the rise of women's voices lifts us all don't give up don't forget send around the earth common call We came together at this hour We stood inside our power And the rise of women's voices lifts us all Don't give up Don't forget Send around the earth A common call And the rise of women's voices lifts us all
1: That was Sarah Pirtle, sarahpirtle.com, our website, last of four Pete Seeger devotees today. We had four last week, and we're going to have another small handful of Pete-related musicians in two weeks. In the meantime, remember Pete Seeger, check for bonus excerpts from this show on nordenspiritradio.org, and keep the songs alive. And we'll see you next week for Song of the Soul.